Hello and welcome to the MLS Soccer Show, the first ever edition of this MLS-centric podcast. The podcast is with Kalen Crean. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tim Crean. With me, uh, soon to be as always, is Mike Calandrillo. Mike, how you doing? So good. So so happy to be here with you, Tim. It's going to be fantastic. We've got so much good MLS stuff to talk about. Um, it's going to be a fun ride, so giddy up. Excellent. We also have uh, Mr. Producer, our trusty producer, who is becoming more and more of an MLS fan every day. Andrew Kula. Andrew, say hello. Hey, guys. The Major League Soccer Soccer Show. So nice we say it twice. Real excited. Absolutely. We really want to drive that soccer piece home so people don't think we're talking about Major League Baseball or some other sort of soccer. We, uh, we're really trying to drive that home here. So real quick, let's go over a little bit of how we're going to do this show. Uh, this last week was the opening weekend of the 2022 MLS season, the 27th season in MLS history. We're going to start off with our segment where we recap the top games of the week. We'll simply call that the games of the week. Once we do that, we'll add some hot takes on some other games and we'll have some fun uh, with what happened in the world of MLS this past weekend. So Mike, let's start it off with your favorite team, your local club, Orlando City, getting a one nothing win over Montreal in the opening day. How you feeling about that? And tell us what you thought about the game. Actually, Tim, it's it was a two nothing, so we need to change that. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah, there you go. I'm reading. See, this is I'm like I'm like Ron Burgundy. I just read what's on the teleprompter in front of me. I'm Ron Burgundy. It was uh, it was good. It was it was a good start. It wasn't a fantastic game by all accounts, but it was it was strong. Um, thankfully, Orlando City's now two zero oh, and six. That's that's a lot of draws on opening day since joining the MLS. Um, but there's no losses, so there that's a win. Um, uh, this was a big first match. It's the first time since opening their stadium uh, where actually I was part of the club. I, I worked for them during that 2017 season. So I was there sitting on the uh, sitting on the 18-yard line working, watching Andrea Pirlo take corner kicks. It was uh, David. It was awesome. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was, was a dream come true. But back to this, um, let's get, I'm going to get into it first. I'm going to look at the bad because there wasn't a whole lot of bad, at least for, for Orlando City. Not a lot to complain about. The one thing I will say is that no, they are notoriously slow starters. It doesn't matter what gaffer, uh, that's for Andrew, what gaffer is is in charge. It took them 20 minutes to get their first shot on net, and that was by Torres, the new boy. He looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got to get, get things going a little bit quicker. Um, but overall, not not really a lot to complain about. But, Mike, hold on, hold on. There's There's a little more bad than that. And let me, you know... And I don't want to say that this is terrible, but Facundo Torres is their new huge signing, their 21-year-old superstar. And look, it's obvious that he's an incredible talent, but he really wasn't aggressive in this game. I mean, he has the skills to really press the pace to to make sure that Orlando City is attacking. And really until the end of the game, until he made a couple of runs in the box, I didn't really see that. So, I mean... He, if he's going to dictate kind of the flow of the game from that winger position and, and floating into centrally, I mean, he needs to do a better job of that. I, I don't want to say it's bad. I totally agree. I, I, but I'm going to chalk it up to inexperience and and you know a new new league. Sure. Um, you know, I think that I was going to play a huge part of it. I, I would think I would have been more surprised if he would have gotten off um, to a flying start. To be honest, with you, yeah, I would have liked to see more. But yeah, he's got a lot to live up to. Um, so you know, I'm going to give the kid a break. He's only 21 because. 
it it was the pato game. This was all about the duck, and that that's, that's what fair. it means in Portuguese is the duck. All right, this is literally a guy that I've been watching forever since he was eighteen, and he came to AC Milan. Um, look, he got hurt in the very first game of last season against Atlanta. Uh, he was forecast to be out three to six weeks after surgery in early May. He didn't return until October twentieth. That's a long time to be to be out for a soft tissue injury, and and again, it just kind of spiraled from there. His longest appearance last season uh, was 17 minutes. Uh, he played exactly four matches, one start, and in total was 106 minutes. Um, but again, this is what Pato needs to do uh, because he has tremendous playmaking ability. He showed that again at AC Milan at 18. He's 32 now. It's amazing that how quick time really does go. He made some amazing well-timed runs into the box. He dragged defenders out of the way, allowed his teammates to find open space. He involved his teammates with smart passes and he was active. I mean, that's all you can really ask from Pato, whether or not he's going to score goals. Yeah, we, we need goals. Orlando City has lost their entire top front three from last year. They're starting three. Um, so Pato has to be healthy, but he had some really good headers. Um, a couple misses that were not totally awful, you know, we'll say uh, he was rusty. Um, you know, you still got to work with that connectivity, that build up play. Um, it's all in its infancy, but Pato, he got on the end of a 49th minute Ruan cross that he swept right past the Montreal goalkeeper, Sebastian Breza. Um, you could just see, and I loved it. There was just this, this display of relief and joy over the former Brazilian nationals face. Well, it wasn't a pretty goal. He was at the right place at the right time. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it anything more than that, but it was such a relief because this man has had nothing but injuries since he left Milan and he went to Chelsea briefly and he was playing uh, in in Brazil and it just seems like he's made a glass and that's kind of what we called him as the glass man here in Orlando. But again, he's got so much potential. Um, Pato's goal snapped a 244-minute opening day scoring drought by Orlando City. Dates back to the 75th minute in 2019 against your NYCFC. Look, I'm not going to get my hopes up too too high, okay? He's been he's burned me one too many times. Um, but again, if if he can do if he can stay healthy, one, which is a big if, and he can put a couple balls in the back of the net, um, he's well worth a one year deal at two hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, w- because of his pedigree, because of where he where he's came from. But the big thing is is that uh, Orlando City brought in a, a, a kid, Erkin Kara from Rapid Vienna in the Austrian top flight. He's a true number nine. Um, so what does that, what does that mean for him? He's a DP. So you did not sign him to come, you know, to, to necessarily come off the bench, which is what he did in the first match. Uh, so Pato is not going to be guaranteed our starting spot, especially for one season. So again, we'll see Pato. Does he go to the wing? Um, do they play two up top? What's going to happen? You know, Oscar Pereja, the, the manager has got, a, got a lot to figure out, but it was a good, it was a good start. Uh, Kara came off the bench, looked good. Uh, so overall, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy. I didn't love the way, um, uh, I didn't love the way the formation was starting to set to, the way to set out the game with um, the kid, the 22-year-old Perea, he, who was a U.S. national player. Um, he was a little soft, and that's why Perea, the other Perea, substituted Junior Urso, the Brazilian. The, the guy's just a workman. He's a horse. He came in, um, and he helped solidify the, the midfield. He's just he's just really good, and, and then he set up the whole thing with the 59th minute with the Benji Michel goal, stole the ball off a goal kick, was that Urso. Um, so I, ex- I expect big things this year from a guy like Michel, too, who's been in a couple U.S. men's national team camps. Uh, I think he can play uh, at all top of the three positions across the front line. And, and again, he scored a goal. He had an amazing back 
flip uh, I, that scares me every time players do those things please don't get hurt we've got we've got enough of problems with that we just talked about pato and even pato said he expects big things from this kid um especially with the u.s men's national team uh, overall benji michelle had 23 touches on the left side completed 92.3 of his 13 passes i'm happy tim i'm happy what more can i ask for? you should be i mean that's you know it was Listen, Michelle and Torres are incredibly encouraging for the long-term future of Orlando City. But it's going to come down this year to Pato. I mean, if he can stay healthy, you look in MLS, if you look how important it is to have a, a really skilled veteran with European experience up top, I mean, that makes a huge difference. We'll talk about Chicharito in a few minutes. We'll talk about uh, Vela after that. Like, you, if you have that guy you have a leg up on a lot of these teams in the MLS and Pato can be that guy if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's, I feel like that's, that's his middle name is, you know, if he can stay healthy Pato because he really hasn't shown it. And like you said, we've been watching this guy for a decade now. I mean, I told you this offline. He was, he was the young striker. I used to buy in FIFA 10 or 11 and and bring him over to my, my beloved Manchester city and develop him into a superstar. And luckily he stayed healthy on the video game most times, but in real life that just, Yes, exactly. That just they didn't know yet. They weren't they weren't uh they didn't realize what was going to happen to him. But the, he just needs to stay healthy and that's that's what 2021 that is the kind of lever that will that will change what Orlando City is able to do in 2021 because if he if he performs like that and the the younger guys start growing into their roles better, I mean I think this is a playoff club for sure. Oh yeah, I mean again, at 32 is not an old man by any stretch, especially in the MLS world. Right. Um, where we've got, you know, the likes of potentially a Sergio Ramos at 36 potentially coming. And, you know, Hector Herrera, who just signed with the Houston Dynamo, who's coming, and he's going to be 32. So, you know, Pato's got a lot to give. And, you know, he's never going to recapture, obviously, what he once was when that, that famous Champions League uh, match for Milan where he just bolted through the middle of the pitch and just ran away from everyone. It was just, I mean, amazing. And, you know, hopefully he can recapture some of what he was. I mean, he was the man of the match. He put in a great effort. Uh, and, again, his most important aspect is going to be linked up play and making everybody a better around him he's a veteran he needs to do that so yeah I expect great things I really do I hope for the best because he's he's a likable guy he, he is a leader uh, that's exactly what Orlando City needs and and again at 32 there's still a lot that he has up he has to offer yeah all right so let's uh let's move on to the uh the second game of the week here New England Revolution and Portland Timbers it was a 2-2 draw between two playoff teams from last year in a driving rainstorm Mike what are your takeaways from that game uh, there was many instances where, uh, like, for whatever reason, the Revs defenders, they just failed to track their runs back. And I, I was really surprised because the back line didn't really probably hold the offside line. I mean, again, it's too early to panic about, you know, the Revs defense, especially with Matt Turner not playing, Henry Kessler not playing. They had minor injuries. You know, something to keep an eye on. Um, but I, we talked about this previously. Omar Gonzalez, shaky in the opening minutes. I know he settled down. Um, he ended the night with some decent numbers. Josie Altidore, he got 11 minutes in the Revs debut. I, I just don't I don't know where this team is going. You've got the reigning league MVP in Carlos Heel, who, you know, didn't have a great game, but he's still the reigning MVP. I think that they're, you got a great coach in Bruce Arena. You've got opportunity. 
Um, I just don't know exactly what's going to happen with them once a guy like Matt Turner leaves. And, you know, we got to see a little bit in Earl Edwards Jr., who performed really well. Um, before this game, he was 1-3-1 and in MLS, MLS play. Last time he actually played was 2018 in a 3-3 draw. And this is a guy I'm familiar with. He played for Orlando City. You know, I'll use the word play sparingly. He was there. Um, he was there for a while, too. 2014, uh, the Lions drafted him out of UCLA. He's got a lot of untapped potential. He played for uh, four years with Orlando City. He bounced up between OCB which is kind of like the minor league team played in USL. Um, but he's going to get his shot when Turner leaves this June uh, to go to Arsenal. So it's really going to be interesting. We're going to lose your starting keeper in the middle of your season in the hottest months. Is is a guy like Earl Edwards going to be able to to step in right away? He made a couple critical saves in the opening minutes of the game. Um, and, and right after that, you look, he allowed two goals but he couldn't really have done anything on Chimmy's bicycle kick. I mean, just flat out. And it was great because Bruce Arena came out after the match and he said, quote, um, Earl can't be at fault for any of those goals. And really, he couldn't. So he did He did an admirable job. I really um, was pleasantly surprised with him because losing Turner, losing, you know, not having him for that day was was a big, uh, big bust for, for your opening match of the season. Yeah, Mike, I, most of my takeaways with this game was just ugly. It was in a rainstorm. There was no Matt Turner. The the pace of the game, the style, none of it was super appealing. Uh, frankly, I'm, I mean, I'm a little more excited to watch future Timbers games than I am to watch future Revolution games. I think as good as they're going to be, it might just be a slog to watch. It's not going to be exciting. So it just it wasn't my my favorite type of football. But uh, you know, the, the legged move was good. That was uh, you know. Most of the talk around MLS transfers obviously are about people coming from the outside and coming into the league. But now because there's so much talent in the league, there's going to be more, you know, more difference makers coming in between teams. And and with Leggett coming over, I think that's going to be huge for the revolution going forward. And then just, you, you can't say enough about Yimmy Chara's bicycle kick uh, to, to, to steal the point. It was amazing. I mean, Chara's a, a, 32, a 30-year-old journeyman, so he's he's not a young player to watch, but... When you are like the Revolution and, and you're a, a playoff team looking to win MLS Cup, that's what you need. You need veterans to step up in, in big spots and in big games and, and steal your points, and that's exactly what Chara did. So not a ton more to add because I thought it was it was a game I just I just couldn't love. Uh, but hopefully when the weather gets better, people will uh, you know both these teams will be a little more interesting to watch. Um, but the weather never gets better in Portland, so there's that's that. true. That's true. It's uh, as a as a as a Manchester fan, Manchester teams, you understand about that kind of weather and watching football there. But where the weather was beautiful and sunny, no shock, was in L.A., where the New York City Football Club, NYCFC, the defending MLS champions, my favorite team, just about uh, half hour, forty minutes south of where I'm recording this right now, uh, took on the L.A. Galaxy who barely missed the playoffs last year and uh, are looking to rebound this year. The game was uh, a 0-0 draw for 89 minutes until Chicharito stepped up, took the three points for LA Galaxy. Um, I have some thoughts on how my uh, NYCFC performed, but Mike, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, I mean, pretty um, pretty ugly game, uh, you know, for, for the most part. I, not what we expected from an LA, um, an LA Galaxy team that spent a little bit of money in the offseason and a NYCFC team that should have been flying. But there's probably a reason. Um, look, City spent most of the day chasing the ball. They never really controlled the run of play. They didn't create chances. They placed one shot on target. Um, despite losing just one nothing, uh, they never really were in it. It's the worst showing they've had since September 11, 2019 in Toronto when they also had one shot on net. But luckily that day, they drew one all. I think 
that their depth is really going to be tested early in this season. Um, they're going to play on short rest twice this month. They travel to Vancouver on Saturday, March 5th. Then they host Guatemalan side Comunicaciones FC in the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals in East Hartford that, that following Tuesday, March 8th. Then they host CF Montreal Inky Stadium for the home opener on Saturday, March 12th. Then they travel to Guatemala City to play Comunicaciones. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a it sounds like a French team on Tuesday, March fifteenth, and then they host the Philadelphia Union back at Yankee Stadium on Saturday, March nineteenth. That's five games in four different stadiums in three different countries in fifteen days. Uh, it's, I guess they could use it as an excuse that they're going to be, or that they're tired now that they could be tired after. But it's also a thing that if you lose three of those first, you know, three games in MLS play, you're going to be behind the eight ball. So it's got, I would be a little concerned, Tim. Yeah. I mean, that's the concern because I happy to make excuses for this first game. Uh, NYCFC was down in Limon, Costa Rica, just, uh, three days prior to the L- the LA galaxy game. And they, you know, so they flew from New York to there to LA. They they looked tired. They looked kind of out of it. Towards in the second half, they looked very content to take the uh, the the nil nil draw. But the one thing that came from that is that coming off a championship, there's always going to be a bit of a hangover, and you saw that happen. And but once Chicharito scored and put LA Galaxy, there was some brightness from from uh, NYCFC that you saw that you had to be. Uh, pretty happy about Maxi Morales ran harder in that in those last three four minutes of stoppage time than he did the entire game, so that was interesting. And then Keaton Parks, who was the guy who turned the ball over that led to the Chicharito goal, he set up a great uh, a great chance for uh, Ebert, who is coming back from this huge knee injury, missed all of last season. The uh, the veteran Brazilian, so they 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 looked like a great team for the last three minutes of stoppage time. Obviously, that wasn't enough. So I wonder, Mike, do you see this as uh, LA Galaxy really taking this game by the horns and winning it as an improved team? Or do you see this as something that NYCFC uh, came out flat and lost the game? I think it was a little bit of both. I I, I honestly would have expected more from, from the Galaxy at home. Uh, Douglas Costa didn't really do a whole lot. wasn't super impressive. Um, but I will say, you know, it's good for Chicharito to score an extra time. Um, he scored 17 goals in 20 games last year. Uh, made him the third leading scorer in the league. And, and he did miss some time. And that's kind of been his thing since he's come over. Um, he was really bad in 2020 at two goals in 12 matches and he we know we've watched him for years as well this is another guy that thrives off of confidence so the galaxy really need him to be at his very best if they're gonna hope to get back to the playoffs which isn't you know a place that they used to be you know year in and year out so um you know it was, it was a weird game i mean we saw that that ridiculous non-call that mugging and when uh julian araujo grabbed maxine chanel by the back of the neck i mean you literally stranglehold held him from behind I was ruled to have taken place on a different foul, so it was committed, so there was no action taken. Still, it should have been a red card. So they go to VAR, and yet the footage is inconclusive, so there's no clear and obvious error. So I ask, what do you have to do to get a red card in this league? I mean, that was it was ridiculous. It was literally like an MMA takedown, and, and I think that... I don't know. I don't know if that got to the psyche or just made NYCFC angry. And I, I don't know. That should have been something done. Um, Joe Dickerson, the, the referee who did nothing. Um, I'm not really sure what game he was he was refereeing because that was pretty ugly. But uh, overall, yeah, it was it was a weird uh, ending. I thank goodness it ended with a, with the, the goal because uh, for anyone to sit there and watch that for a nothing nothing draw would have been just brutal. 
Yeah, it was it was a tough game, and that you know that's the problem. There's a, problems with VAR around the world, so I guess maybe that that shows that uh, MLS is coming up that they have the same ridiculous problems with VAR. But yeah, that 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 could have changed the game. Uh, but I think you know let's not get away from the fact that Chicharito was the story here. Uh, much like Pato, I mean he is an incredible talent who has just not produced too many times in his career, and some of it for Chicharito's injury, but a lot of it is just who knows is he just can't find that maybe it is the confidence like you talk about, but you know, Taylor Twelman, who was doing the color commentary on the, on the broadcast summed it up. And he's just like, he did nothing for 89 minutes. And then, but when you have Chicharito, when you have a veteran European guy of, with European experience up front, obviously Chicharito's Mexican, but he has a ton of European experience. Then you always have a chance in games like this. And that's kind of what the takeaway for me for the LA galaxy was, is that, you know, Chicharito is going to keep him in games. And he did there, you know, Manchester United, Real Madrid, West Ham, Sevilla. He never performed up to really what these guys paid for him uh, and then what he could do. But he did have that two-year stretch at Bayern Leverkusen where he led the team in scoring twice. And if Chicharito can find some of that magic for LA Galaxy, then I think I think there's a chance that LA Galaxy can be really good. Also, their defense has improved from last year. Uh, I thought they, brought, they brought in midfielder Marky Delgado from Toronto FC. And him kind of sitting in front of those those top two, uh, the, the center backs, seemed to, to tighten up their defense a little bit. Again, you don't know how much of the the defense tightening was NYCFC sleepwalking through the game. But if you're an LA Galaxy fan, you know, you're not worried about that. You look better. You held a clean sheet. You won the game. What else can you ask for? But are you, are you more disappointed in who we talk about extensively, Tati Castellanos. Where where was yes, he? Yes. Was he missing in action? Did anybody get a glimpse of him? Because I certainly didn't. And for a guy who was a golden boot winner and has a $15 million price tag on his head and is linked to River Plate, among many other places, what happened, bro? Yeah, I, again, all you can say is there's a championship hangover. They were in Costa Rica. There, There's plenty of excuses. I mean, next game, there is no excuses. You know, they have a full week of rest. They're ready to go. And, you know, I know I understand they're playing on short rest down the line a couple times, but I, they should be kind of used to that by then and, and really kind of figure that out. So we'll see what the depth does. But, yeah, Toddy needs to to do something because if, if not, they're going to be in trouble scoring. Although uh, Hebert does look good, and if he can come back from that knee injury, gives him another another option up top and another scorer, another scoring threat. So... I'm not. I'm not worried yet. You know, we will. We'll maybe do the NYCFC panic meter uh, as we go along here. But uh, for right now, I'm okay with it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Let's hope for your sake he, uh, you know, remembers where the goal is. But I won't. I won't press. Absolutely. I won't press you yet on it. Thank you. I appreciate that. But now let's uh, let's get into some other games here, and we're just gonna go rapid fire through our Tomos Calientes. Tomos Calientes. Our our hottest takes of the week. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Ole 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 ole. I am gonna start with my hottest take from the first game of the MLS weekend, Mike. Philadelphia Union, one-one uh, draw against Minnesota United. My Tomas Calientes from here is Alejandro Bedoya, U.S. Men's National Team star, is washed. He is 34 now. I mean, you can see his quality when he gets on the ball, but at 34, he just doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the stamina, doesn't have the explosion to really make a difference uh, throughout the game. Maybe he'll have some moments of brilliance along the way, and that could be enough to help Philadelphia Union you know, reach the playoffs, reach the top spot like they're looking for this year. But I, I think he's done, and if, if Philadelphia Union is 
counting on him to really kind of drive their offense this year, I think they're going to be in trouble. I agree. My Tomas Calientes comes from uh, Minnesota United, who kind of sounds a little like you in the excuse book um, about NYCFC. <laughs> Uh, they they seem to love a good excuse. There was there was two instances. First, Robin Laud on his uh, noticeable hole in the midfield. He says, "quote Just because the first game of the season and all the players and all the teams aren't in the best shape, they can be. The game stretches out. The second half, there's like no midfield, and you're going back and forth because it's so early in the season. What?" Just like you just talked me into a mental pretzel, my man. It, it gets a little worse though because then you've got the uh, you've got Minnesota United's manager Adrian Heath, former Orlando City manager, um, and he's talking about Robin Law, and he says, "quote I don't think people realize for two months he was in a forest somewhere in Finland." What? Then he goes on to say, "It has not been an ideal rest and recovery for him. He's still probably not 100%. It'll take a few weeks for him." Okay, why was he in a forest? Does he live in a forest? Is he a tree elf? What is going on? Look, I get, I get on the road you typically play for the point. But uh, United here outplayed Philly. They really did. They should have won. They had the potential to have the game scoring goal on a 22 yard strike, which was blocked by Andre Blake in the 93rd minute. Fantastic. So look, Heath, just come out and say that, my man. We should have won the game. Like, I am so over these these excuses and these, these like, ridiculous, drawn-out reasons as to why. I was in a forest. Nobody knows that. How would anybody know you were in a forest? Like, what? <laughs> well, and am I crazy? Lod scored the goal, didn't he? Like, what? what yeah. is he making all these excuses about? Like, I, I thought um, he played I'm, fine. So, I'm sorry. Do all Finnish people live in forests? Like, are there no cities? I don't I don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm sure this man has a lovely palatial home that that maybe might be in a forest but has nothing to, he doesn't live in a hole so i'm i'm just totally confused but adrian heath just wow i i'm sorry like that's just that's that's un, that's unspeakable i i don't understand where you're going with that so um ridiculous well let's move on let's go to austin fc versus stinking cincinnati stinkinati i'm gonna call him stinkinati um what is your hot take good sir well, so my mine kind of involves two teams. Is Austin just absolutely beat down Cincinnati five nothing? DC United did the same to Charlotte FC three uh, nothing. Cincinnati has played for three seasons in MLS, so what's their excuse? Charlotte play has played now one game, and they actually looked okay. So while many people might think the expansion team is going to be the layup of the season, I do not. I think Cincinnati is going to be the worst team of the year. You know, Charlotte played pretty well, especially they they, went, they took Austin 11 to 11 on shots. Nothing fell for them. Uh, they came out the gate better. They played hard for their for their manager Miguel Angel Ramirez. And on the flip side, Cincy was just trash. They've won four league games in each of the last two seasons. So my Tomas Calientes here is that they only win three games this year. What do you what do you think about these two uh, these two bottom feeding teams? I think they should. T- I think you couldn't take the sum of both teams, put them together, and have a winning team. I think they are both awful, and I blame that on roster construction. I'll start with FC Cincinnati. They conceded at least four goals for the 18th time since joining MLS. Terrible. Two in the first 15 minutes, and that's against a team that had the league's fewest goals last season with 35, Austin. Uh, the defending in front of their new goalkeeper, Alec Khan, was 
useless. Just flat out useless. And Khan did himself no favors by incorrectly punching out a ball from a corner, but led to the second goal and allowing a famous own goal in the fifth and final score of the day. They have 14 wins in 92 games since 2019. This team just stinks. I'm sorry. Like you, you've got the Bengals in Cincinnati, and then that's about it. Um, they're already on their seventh coach if you count interim coaches and the third team president. And one of those coaches was, was Jan Stamm, who was a famous. A European defender was amazing. Uh, Manchester United, AC Milan. He couldn't write the ship. Um, I think this team's going to win four games this year. Four, that's what they won last year, and they'll probably go on their eighth manager by midway. They, they're, they're just, they're, they're a dumpster fire of the worst kind. Now I'm going to move on to Charlotte FC because everybody is, is just like waxing poetic about this team and oh we're gonna have 75,000 we're gonna set the MLS record for who cares like first of all you're playing in Bank of America Stadium which is where the Panthers play so congratulations that's that's great but you're not gonna have that type of of seating in your your soccer specific stadium which is coming in two years I mean or we'll see because Nashville's still playing at Nissan Stadium which is where the Titans play so we'll see if that ever comes through but this roster that Stevie Wonder put it together because it is horrendously built. They tried to trade for Paul, Paul Ariola, who ended up going to uh, Dallas, because but they couldn't get Paul because they didn't want to part with $2 million in allocation money and other assets. That would have been a, a guide to sell jerseys. That would have been somebody to rally the community, even though you're going to get 75000 in the first week. Blah. Then they, they come to terms with the, uh, Derby County's Polish swinger, uh, Kamil Josiak. Before the player picked up a lengthy injury, they decided, eh, we're not going to go through with that. Okay. They tried again on Venezuelan winger Darwin Mashes, uh, but reports quickly emerged that the $6 million designated player contract fell apart due to legal issues in Spain. Never good. They have one DP player, which is actually one more than your favorite team, uh, the Colorado Cronkies. Um, and that's a man by the name of Karol Swiderski. He's still in Poland working on his work permit. Really? You couldn't do this once before? <clears throat> Uh, so they're bi- and here's my biggest problem with them, Tim, is because you want to sell jerseys and you need you need a a, fo- a focal figure to rally the the, the squad around. You sign 35 year old former Leicester City defender Christian Cam Newton Fuchs. Oh, no, oh, ooh, he he'd be good. <laughs> he'd be good. He could actually run. He could run for days. Um, can't throw though. But anyway, Christian Fuchs, who last year played for the Charlotte Independence in the USL, so he's he's not coming off a year in which he played EPL. He no no he played in the USL. I can't. I can't with these moral victories. I can't with we've got nice black and blue kits. I can't what we've waited two years for this because you know what? You win in two games this year. Two games. And I think they're the worst team in the MLS when all when everything is said and done. So that's it. So for these two teams, uh, I have Cincinnati winning three games and I have Charlotte doing better than them. You have Charlotte winning two games. Cincinnati winning four. So let's set the over-under at uh, three and a half for both these teams. And we'll, uh, we'll make a little side bet, see, uh, see who comes up on top uh, at the end of the year. Now, moving on to the next game. Now, we did a, before we start, officially started the uh, MLS Soccer Show podcast, we did a little MLS preview for the year. And I decided this was the year of Stan Kroenke. His LA Rams, his Arsenal, all his, all his teams are doing his nuggets are really in the mix. They're all doing well. So I said Colorado Rapids are my Western Conference pick to make the MLS Cup. 
after 90 minutes of uh, soccer, I am done. I am off that pick. I'm changing my MLS Finals pick. I'll tell you who it is in a minute. But I can't stay in Colorado. They're terrible. The Colorado Cronkies, as Mike called them, is no longer my pick. That is my Tomas Caliente is about uh, the Rapids. I literally told Tim this. I was like, I'm sorry. Look, you're, you're set a huge letdown. It's early. I'll give them that. But they look so bad. I mean, 2022 could not have started any worse for the Rapids. They followed up a CONCACAF Champions League midweek ouster on penalties, albeit none of the five MLS clubs that played midweek actually picked up a win on the weekend. So, you know, maybe NYCFC can, you know, feel better about that. Um, But it was just awful. It was just a a really poor performance. They looked like they didn't even want to be there. And now they play Atlanta United, who are 3-0-0 versus the Rapids. They've yet to register a goal against against the Eastern Conference side. And they've conceded five against Atlanta. Three of those were in the previous match in Colorado, and now you're going to to Atlanta. I, I know it's a different t- it's different side, different time, but where from where this team was last year to where they are now, they're they're going to be in that bottom. They they may be one of the worst teams in the league, not quite as bad as the previous two we just spoke about, but what really disappointing. So, Cronky, um, your your um, your luck has run out, my man. That's right. These guys broke my heart one game in. So I need a new Western Conference pick to make the MLS Cup. And that is the most newly minted Western Conference team, Nashville SC. They took a a 1-0 victory over the Seattle Sounders in week one. They're my pick. Here's the deal, Mike. In all sports, defense wins championships. We all know that. Nobody has a better defense with our man Walker Zimmerman and Nashville. They're going to win ugly. The Seattle Sounders uh, manager came out after the game and said, look, they had one chance all game and they scored. That's what happened. That's why we lost. What can you do? And I see a lot of interviews like that for Nashville opponents in the coming days, weeks, and months here. Uh, They're not going to do it pretty. It's going to be ugly. But uh, that defense is a championship defense. And so they are my new pick to face NYCFC in the MLS Cup come November 5th, I believe it is. And by next week, Tim will probably have a third new pick for the MLS. Strong chance. Yep. <laughs> no, Nashville looked great. Um, they really did. And and anybody that knows us knows that we are the biggest lovers. Is that? Can I say that about? Can nope, I say that about that's weird. Is that weird? It's a little weird. Okay, he's a good-looking man, and he's fantastic at what he does. You leave me alone. And he's the he is the backbone of the U.S. men's national team. So I am rooting True. hard for those guys dressed in hot yellow. But anyway, Seattle, you are my hot take. You are not getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Unless Jordan Morris loses about 15 pounds. We talked... <laughs> Bloated Jordan Morris? Is that, is that your official yeah, nickname for him now? He's getting the heat from me this week. You're looking a little bit pudgy, a little bit bloated. We talked about this when you came back for the U.S. men's national team. Um, I'm rooting for you. I like the kid. I really. I think at 28, he's still got a lot to offer. But uh, Raul Ruiz, uh, Jordan Morris, you guys combined for 33 touches, one shot, zero dribbles, and only two actions inside the penalty area in 119 combined minutes. Also struggled to get the ball out of their zone in 30 minutes. They couldn't control the midfield. It took 87 minutes to get a ball on net. I complained about Orlando City taking 20 minutes to start this show. It took you guys 87 minutes. So you know what? I owe Orlando City an apology, okay? I am just greedy, clearly, because the, you, Seattle must have been okay with, eh, maybe we'll just get a nil-nil draw. That was that was pathetic. And you know what? I, I guess I guess I'll just take a page out of Adrian Heath's book and just say that 
Um, most of their guys were in a Finnish log cabin with a, a gas in the forest, oven. Yep. Yeah, a forest. So pretty bad, <laughs> pretty bad. You should be very ashamed of your of your showing, and uh, it can only go up from here. All right, that's all right. So that's so. We'll see how that plays out. Those are our Tomas Calientes, our hot takes for the week. Tomas Calientes. But we're not the only ones on this podcast with a hot take. We are going to do a segment called Kicking and Screaming, where me and Mike drag our producer, Andrew Kula, kicking and screaming into soccer fandom. And so Andrew's going to offer some hot takes. And just know, uh, I think Andrew's fandom right now can be summed up uh, by paraphrasing the great Ted Lasso. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Ted Lasso, your new coach. You could fill up two internets with what Andrew doesn't know about football, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have some hot takes about it. Andrew, tell us what your takeaways were from week one of the MLS season. He looks like Rodan sculpture in cleats. Boots. Hmm? They call cleats boots. I thought you said that the trunk of a car was a boot. Also a boot. Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. Who's, uh, I, I want to make sure I'm saying this guy's name right. Is it Carlos uh, Vela uh, with LAFC? It's close, Vela. Vela. He is awesome. Why have I never heard about this guy? Is he like the best player in MLS? Uh, two years ago, he was. Yeah, he was He was okay. uh, actually the MVP, scored over 30 goals, had uh, like over 11 assists. Yeah, two years ago, he, he was. And the LAFC team choked hard in the playoffs. But yeah, you. Okay. He played in Europe. He played in La Liga. He played for a number of teams. Actually, people thought he was what was he like twenty eight when he came, twenty nine when he came over to MLS. People thought he was coming here too early. Uh, that he still had a lot to offer. But he's still a big part of the Mexican national team. So, um, you know, they're gonna need him in a World Cup year to to shine like he did because that hat trick was amazing. And as we all know, whose pick was it to win the Western Conference? Mine, LAFC. And I'm not getting off of that, Tim. All right, that's good. Yeah, Carlos Vela, very good. That's uh, He played great. I mean, he's 33, so uh, we'll see if he can keep it up all year. But, uh, Andrew, very good with your first hot take. What else you got? Yeah, thank you. All right, well, here, this hot take's even spicier. So we're talking about LAFC, right? And if I'm if I'm correct, there's also another team in LA, uh, the Galaxy. <laughs> that's right. We just spent 15 minutes talking about them. So, yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks sure, for listening sure. to the show. Okay, perfect, thank you. <laughs> all right, why are there two soccer teams in LA? I hate two teams in general in the same city, but I mean, I hope just like you guys at MLS blows up, but they're already jumping the gun and having two teams in one city. That just doesn't make sense to me. All right. So I don't know if we should tell them this, Mike, but technically there's also two teams in New York, uh, the New York, New Jersey Red Bulls who do play in New Jersey. Uh, so there's actually two, uh, two cities with double teams, but yeah, you know, LA well, that's has a, LA has a thriving soccer fandom and they can support two teams. So okay. I think I get it. You know, the two teams in general is, uh, can be a little much, but I mean, if you saw either the, both the galaxy, uh, the galaxy crowd was fantastic. And you know, when the LA, LA FC, uh, when their fans come out in earnest, they're great too. So, uh, I get it, but yeah. uh, it's here to stay because both those teams are two yeah, of the top the, in MLS. The Galaxy play the Galaxy play in the heart of downtown. Oh, excuse me, the the LAFC plays in the heart of downtown LA, like right, very close to the, the old Staples Center. I, I will not call it crypto. Yeah, I will not play it. Crypto.com arena. That. That's, that's terrible. And and the Galaxy play like thirty minutes outside LA. Um, 
at what what are they called now? Dignity Health Arena. It used to be StubHub Center. Yeah. So a lot of people in LA, being that I lived there for many years, don't even consider them like an LA team. It's it's weird. It's very it's very divided. Like you're you're one fan or the other. You don't like both. Well, but the thing is, is that the Galaxy are one of the original teams. 1996. They have been around. They have what five titles, which is the most in in MLS. Um, they've had David Beckham. They've had you know, Landon Donovan. So they are the, the the top echelon of MLS. That's who teams strive to be. Things have changed, obviously, but stars still want to go there. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Douglas Coulson. Now we're, we've already said that it looks like um, uh, Sergio Ramos may be coming from PSG because that has been a debacle um, since he has signed there. So players still want to come to L.A., uh, and it's not always LAFC. It's, there's still a potential for players going to the original, the OG, the original Galaxy. OG. All right, Andrew, one more. You got one more hot take for us today? Or? All right, I've got one more. This is about uh, kits, okay? Uh, so I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. I, I think there's far too many pale blues right now. Uh, I mean, I, I was going through the, the kits, and it seemed like almost everyone was a pale blue or a white. I'm, they got to be a little bit more creative. So I found a couple that I did like. Really like the Portland Timbers. That that dark green was really nice. And I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. I guess I have a West Coast thing going. The Seattle Sounders, their second jersey is like this purple color. Really nice. I really like that. So too many pale blues. But it, I, I like the teams that uh, kind of get off that. And speaking of New York, I really like New York's jersey, the Red Bull one. That's pretty cool. Okay. I mean, that that's fair. Uh, the cool thing about Seattle is that uh, the purple jersey you're referencing is in homage to Jimmy Hendrix you don't know Jimmy that is because yeah he's for he was from Seattle per, you know you know if you know Jimmy you know you can't hear Jimmy so uh yeah that's that I if you like the green Portland you should see the one they wore in the first match which is uh has roses on it for the Rose City I think that one's awesome there's a couple really great kits this year um and then you uh which who, who did he just mention he got me off track I started thinking about Jimmy Hendrix oh and then you mentioned that the Red Bulls Eh, I mean, I have a problem with the, the Bulls. I just think of the energy drink, and it kind of makes me vomit. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, there's there's a couple other really good ones, but I, I like your take about Seattle. I think that uh, that's a great one. And then, yeah, Portland, classic, classic green and yellow. You can't go wrong. Tim, are those Red Bulls? Are, are those Red Bulls, are they your rival? Yeah, kind of. I mean, they're... Well, they call it the Hudson River <laughs> Derby. I mean, yeah, technically. There, it's the Hudson River Derby. Again, it, it's, it's very similar to the L.A. teams. Uh... The Red Bulls were one of the original teams uh, in the MLS, and they they played. Now they play out in New Jersey, though, and they're not as you know the NYCFC plays in Yankee Stadium, and they've just been better the last couple of years. So they're uh, they're a team that more people are getting behind. But yes, I guess they they are the rivals, and uh, but I do I actually kind of like their kits too. So I think uh, this this year has been a my. Tell me I'm wrong, but this is like a, a big redesign year, right, for all these kits, and they're doing a very city-centric thing, which has been pretty cool. I thought the um, the gray, and it was a little bit pale blue, but the gray and blue for uh, Minnesota United was uh, was very cool as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, MLS is they do it differently than teams in Europe. Every two years they'll switch a kit. So like for this year, Orlando City's is the road. So we're wearing you know the same purple from last year. We've got the new road, the sunburst. I don't know if I'm so sold on it yet. I, I don't know if I'm going to purchase it. We'll see what's going to happen. I got to find a player first. 
um, that I don't have. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great way for MLS to market themselves. I like that they're bringing in kind of the LAFC's got the Art Deco thing going on all over the kit. You know, if you go to downtown LA, it's very inspired by your 40s and the 50s type of architecture. Um, there's, those are a lot of cool things. I don't know if I get the NYCFC lightning bolt. Um, I, I mean, I, I lived in New York for a long time too. I mean, yeah, there's lightning, but it's not like you're known. Yeah, we got summer thunderstorms. I mean, I don't know. I, I, have, to, I have to look into why they did that, but uh, yeah, I it mean, looks kind of cool. Little, little interesting, you know. But yeah, I mean, some of them are like classic, clean. Like the galaxy's got the little ribs, galaxies on the on the on the collar cuff, and um, New England's kind of blase, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I get mad sometimes at Adidas because I feel like even Nike, they, to a certain extent, they do templates. Like, hey, we're just going to come up with right. this template. We're going to use it for clubs. We're going to—we're even going to use it in the World Cup, and they—and they do that. But it, so it was nice to see a little bit of uh, imagination used this year. But and one thing that I read, which not necessarily MLS, but I would love to see it instituted, is Borussia Dortmund of the Bundesliga has actually had a contest, and they asked fans to send in their best. Um, potential mock-ups of uniforms and they're going to pick one and they're going to wear it next year and that's awesome because they were fire these jerseys were great I mean traditionally black and yellow you can't go wrong but then they they had the neon green from you know the days of yore which I'm not a huge fan of yeah Yeah. but I just like that they're giving fans an opportunity to design it and a lot of fans even like use the city you know cityscape city center in the design and it and that's that's cool I mean that and for a league like the MLS that wants to do grassroots marketing and has these great supporter groups, um, I think that that's, that would just be a way to totally get them involved further. So, yeah, man, uh, Andrew, I'll talk kids with you all day because I, I love soccer jerseys. I think uh, I think it's just a self-expression. And you can wear it out to dinner because it sometimes has a collar on it. Huh? It's classy. Classy stuff. Excellent. Andrew, thank you very much. That Kicking and screaming. I think we're going to drag Andrew kicking and screaming into football fandom. He is... Uh, he is already on his way. So we got two more quick segments before we wrap up here. We're going to go with potent quotables with a quote of the week. And the categories are potent potables. And uh, I will start with that. This one comes from Santi Auna, who is a uh, as close as you can get to a European football insider, maybe an Adam Schefter type. Uh, this comes from footmercado.net. And uh, the translation is uh, from French to English. It was written in French, so uh, excuse some of the uh, interesting language at the end. But he writes, A failed bet. This is the current summary of Sergio Ramos' move to Paris Saint-Germain. His presentation with great fanfare alongside Messi, Donnarumma, Wijnaldum, and Hakimi at the start of the season at Parc de Princesse seems far away and necessarily inadequate in view of the five small appearances made in a Parisian jersey. The 35-year-old Spanish international continues to decide on social networks by flipping through his physical work to find the pitch. Uh, basically what he's saying is that Sergio Ramos is a major flop at PSG and he uh, he's just showing off on social media so people think he's still good while he is washed. But the important part of this article is it goes on to say that the LA Galaxy have interest and have reached out to the Spanish star. However, the article stops short of saying that Ramos has any interest in the MLS at all. So, Mike, I ask you this. Is it good or bad for the MLS if Ramos comes over? Ramos, of course, uh, Spanish national, Real Madrid superstar, one of the greatest defenders of all time. Uh, Do you want to see him in an LA Galaxy kit as soon as the uh, midseason transfer window here in MLS? Absolutely. I mean, again, the problem with the Galaxy is that they already have three designated players. So they'd have to, you know, use their TAM and their GAM and, you know, their 
Regina Falanges, and they'd have to figure out who they're going to buy. You can down. finesse that, as Miami has shown. You yeah, can, I mean, uh... you can figure it out. There's, there's, there's money you can hush, hush money. Yeah. But absolutely, I mean, look, there's a reason that Real Madrid didn't bring back a club legend. Um, yep. he, there's a reason why. I, this guy has the most caps for the Spanish national team ever. He's a legend. He's great. Is he washed? I mean, considering what he was, yeah. But again, you can come to the MLS because he is such a smart player. Um, he is still in great physical shape. We don't know how that's going to translate on the pitch. But if you can get him at the right price, and again, there is a salary cap in, in structure in the MLS. It's different. You can only give these guys so much money. Um, so if he's willing and able, he's again, he's going to sell jerseys. He's going to put butts in seats. I, I would love to see him if Galaxy come play Orlando because, again, you only get to see these players every so often. I mean, I still talk about who I saw. You know, I, I went to go see Wayne Rooney when, when he was with DC United, and I saw Zlatan when he was with the Galaxy because these are legends of the game. So if I get Absolutely. a chance, sure. I mean, even if it doesn't work. Um, and, and you can fit him in salary-wise, why not? I mean, again, he could be the difference. A healthy Sergio Ramos could be the difference with putting a team like this it, not only in the playoffs but through the playoffs and potentially for an MLS Cup. Yeah, and if Ramos wants to play, I mean, you might be able to figure it out salary-wise because he has made a ton of money. I don't have his earnings in front of me, but he's made a ton of money through his career. So if it's more about just getting on the pitch at this point and, and getting some run and, and starting as a defender, uh, that's not going to happen at PSG. So uh, MLS might be his chance. Uh, Mike, let's hear your quote of the week. This one coming from the aforementioned uh, Charlotte FC manager, Miguel Angel Ramirez. Yeah, well, I, I, I love Miguel Angel Ramirez for, for his just total transparency because ahead of their, their inaugural match last week, he famously lamented his roster's current shortage of top-tier attacking menace prior to the season, saying, quote, We need to have something else to be more competitive. Let's wait and see how the roster building finishes. Okay, that's fair. When asked in Spanish, his native language. <laughs> this is where this, it gets fun. This is what I love. Uh, when he asked in Spanish of what he should expect of his new squad, this is good. He says, quote, when we finish that, I will answer that question and tell you how I see things. Right now, we're screwed. End quote. I mean, that's great. I Fantastic. mean, obviously, he was more comfortable saying it in Spanish, or, you know, maybe he just figured that no one would Google Translate it, but that's awesome. I mean, yeah, you're, like I said, your roster is terrible. You got one DP who's in Poland. Um, it, it's a it's a total mess. So I love the fact that he just let let it, let it have it, and that's we need more of. We need more of that, unless Adrian Heath in in the forest. Yeah, and that just continues the long tradition. And you know what's one of the great things about soccer is that you have players from around the world. It's an international game, so they all have their their own uh, native language and hometown media and. This happens in all sports, but a lot more in, in football than anywhere else. When these guys give uh, interviews in their native language to their local media, it is so much better. So uh, I think uh, your boy Antonio Conte from Tottenham just did this recently, where <laughs> he was a lot more candid uh, in his own in his native tongue than he was uh, with the English press. So something to keep an eye on. I'm sure more of that will pop up in potent quotables as we go along. But now we're gonna move on to our final segment here. The NFL is over. We all feel that, that pain. But listen, Mike, Andrew, betting on football is fun. So we are going to give you some ways to keep the good times rolling. Uh, I know betting is now legal in New York with the FanDuel and Caesars and all MGM, all that kind of stuff. So we are going to give you our picks of the week 
for the upcoming MLS. Put some put some cash down on these. See how you do. We'll we'll go over it next week and then give you some new picks. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. What uh, what are you putting your splashing your cash on uh, in the MLS next week? Well, I'm a big fan of parlays, um, especially when I can put down like next to no money and win a lot. So it's not necessarily the games that I've picked are not necessarily that way. But uh, for you know a nice little twenty five dollar wager, it can potentially win close to five fifty. If you don't want to do a parlay, totally fair. Here's who I think have the best odds of winning. Um, I'm taking New England laying half a goal against Dallas. Dallas, I know they got Paul Ariola. Um, it's just not enough for me. They're going to start to spend money, but I think New England has to come back and they have to uh, revenge that that tie that you know two two draw they had last week. Um, then I'm taking Kansas, sporting Kansas City, laying half a goal over Houston. Um, again, Houston, they don't have they don't have my man coming from Atletico Madrid uh, just yet, and they've got a team new ownership that's kind of you know, curious how they're going to be set up and sporting Kansas city has got a nice team. So I'm taking them laying the half a point, uh, Philly, Philly's got to come back in a big way. You, you bashed my man, Alejandro Bedoya. So I am taking, yes, I am taking Philly laying half a point against Montreal. Montreal looked pretty weak against Orlando city. I am also taking Seattle getting half a point against RSL. RSL is a mess. They got rid of their best player. Uh, again, I'm going to put that onus on Jordan Morris. He needs to get his act together. And I think that they'll rebound nicely. I'm not afraid of laying half a goal there. Um, I am taking the over two and a half. Uh, this is something I do in football not necessarily in soccer, but I am taking over two and a half goals with LAFC in Portland. Uh, we saw Vela get a hat trick. That's obviously Andrew's favorite new player. Um, we saw Portland's uh, 2-2. So I think the op- the opportunity to score over two and a half goals is really, really good here. It's only at negative 181. So you're not going to make a ton of money. But I think if you put it in a parlay, you've got a real good chance. And then the, the, the slam dunk, easiest bet of the week for me, is Galaxy laying half a goal plus 106. In Charlotte, I don't care if you got a hundred thousand people there. I don't care if Cam Newton is running the ball up the middle. The Galaxy are going to win at least by two goals. So take the Galaxy getting half a goal in Charlotte and and send me part of the proceeds. There you go. That sounds fair. Uh, I, I have a parlay myself. I did a four leg money line parlay. Uh, and the odds are changing, so I feel kind of good about this, uh, except for the one, the big money, the big uh, line one that uh, makes me a little nervous. But I have uh, Orlando City over Chicago, plus 250. DC United over Cincinnati, plus 110. LA Galaxy over Charlotte, as you said, plus 115. And Philadelphia over Montreal, plus 195. Uh, that jumps up to plus 4561. Which means on a ten dollar bet you can win four hundred fifty bucks. Uh, that's what I got it in at. I'd have to look, but it, it's going to be similar because the uh, DC United game is down to plus one hundred. The LA Galaxy line is down to I think plus one hundred five, uh, but the Orlando City one is now plus one ten or three ten. So that one's uh, money's coming in on Chicago on that one. But uh, to take the money line parlay, you'll still do it. Put down a ten dollar bet. Put down a twenty dollar bet. Win four fifty. Win nine hundred. If Orlando City takes care of Chicago, D.C. United and the Galaxy take care of Cincinnati and Charlotte, and Philadelphia takes care of Montreal. So that's my uh, that's my football. Betting on football is fun. Bet of the week. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for uh, this episode of the MLS Soccer Show. Mike, if uh, people enjoyed this, uh, 
Tell them our social media handles. And of course, as always, if people hated it, uh, tell them Andrew's social media handles so they can send all their complaints to our producer. Yes, yes. Please go all your social media uh, platforms, your favorite Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at M-L-S-O-C-C-E-R show. So MLS, or let's say it this way. ML Soccer Show, maybe. Probably easier for the people at home. ML Soccer Show. And then please, you get a chance, go on your favorite podcast network. So either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us a, a five-star review, rate, review, tell us what you like, tell us what you want to hear more of, your favorite segment, something we can do. Look out for our graphics on social too, there's a lot of cool things that we're trying to do, uh, a lot of initiatives, we want to get you guys involved, we want to hear from you, there's going to be upcoming segments where we obviously get you involved. And then the big thing is our YouTube channel, so go on, uh, hit that bell, tells you when all the notifications are coming for brand new shows, make sure you subscribe, and again, we love to interact with you guys, so leave a comment, we, uh, we'll keep this conversation going, we want, to have, we want you to be a part of the MLS Soccer Show, because we like soccer so much we put it twice in the title and i think that that's probably going to become uh the tagline for the show because it's just fantastic if you don't like us it's andrew kula on twitter um he loves to bicker so you guys just have at it with him because he sounds really nice on this show but he's an angry angry elf maybe in the forest of finland somewhere all right thanks everybody we'll talk to you next week